So today we conclude our series called Simple, and those of you that have been with us know that the idea behind it is that we can really overcomplicate uh, being a Christ follower or being a Christian. Sometimes tradition can do that. Sometimes um, just our wrong thinking or sometimes our past gets in the way and we start to believe things about ourselves that isn't true. And it just really complicates the idea that God is for you and he believes in you and he's emptied the heavenly bank account to come be in relationship with you. He sent his son Jesus, his best, so that he could be in relationship and be with us. And so a lot of times we hold on to all these old ideas and all these old things and we complicate the idea. Now, I'm not saying being a Christian is easy. And I'm not saying that um, the whole idea of Christianity, I'm not even saying that that's simple. And you're like, wait a second, you just contradicted yourself. The scripture says that there are mysteries of God and there are things in place that we, we won't understand until eternity. But there's also a lot of things in place that Jesus said, if you do this, if you do this, and, and he's laid out his will, his way through scripture that we can come to him and we can access him. He uses titles like, come to me as a father, come to me as your provider, come to me uh, as all these different things. There's all these names of God that he is because he wants to relate to you. He wants it to be simple to you. And uh, he spoke in parables that were very relatable to you. Because why? Because he wants you to get it because we can't overcomplicate this thing. And so this whole simple thing for us has been, um, let's just look at the simple things of being a Christ follower and kind of navigate through what's maybe made it muddy or confusing. And so we're going to close today's series actually with the same topic or title that we opened it with. If you remember, we started the series with a sermon about how God is for you. He's for you. God is for you. He's pulling for you. He's cheering for you. And I'm going to close the series with the same thing. And you say, why would we talk about the same thing twice? Because I think that's where we miss it the easiest. I think that's where we get off track the easiest is we just, we have this idea of like, oh, God is this angry God in heaven and he's waiting to throw lightning bolts or I've sinned and so I can't come back or I can't come to church until I'm perfect. And we make up all, no, God is for you and he's cheering for you and he believes in you and he's done all that he could to equip you and make you able to live a victorious life. Somebody say amen. So he's with you. We're going to take a scripture here uh, and it's a lot of text, but I'll break through it for you. And uh, it would be good for you to take some notes and maybe study it this week at home. But we're going to take a look at a writing here in Psalm from David, who a lot of us could relate to. What I love about David is his perspective here in this scripture that we're about to read probably comes from uh, areas that we could all relate to. And so David, he's going to go through this whole thing talking about God. But what I love about David is he wasn't like this really um, super churchy guy and so he couldn't relate to having a bad day or really struggling. Like David probably connects with all of us at some level in all of our walks with God and in life. So we know about David that he's someone who obviously got into a lot of sin, uh, adultery, murder, some of the really big things. Um, he didn't just like download illegal music online. He like did some pretty big things. Um, and so imagine that speed back in the day of the internet there. So, um, so, he, he, so he had some pretty big sin. He had some pretty big doubts with God. If you read through scripture and a lot of his texts, there's days where he really wrestles and struggles with what he believes and if God is... So he's someone who's really at the core um, wrestled with God and, and had doubts and had disbeliefs and had these moments of, God, where are you? God, what, this kind of... We can all relate to that. He's someone who ran from God. Uh, he's someone we know who had seasons where uh, he, he tried to avoid or, or, or skirt around uh, the truth there. We know that he lied. We know that he's been a person 
uh, who was frustrated with God and frustrated in places of his life. How I many you know we can all relate to being in seasons of our life where we're either frustrated with God or just frustrated with how we got here or how God allowed us to get there? Uh, confusion. He was someone in his text who wrote from a place very confused. I don't understand. I can't see. I don't get this. I don't get that. So he's somebody that we can all relate to. And so when we read through this text, I don't want you to think, well, you know, that was David, and he's a guy who, you know, killed Goliath, and he was this mighty spiritual warrior, this perfect Bible character. No, he's somebody who probably went around the block like we all have with our walk with God and looked at everything from every angle. So when we read this Psalm 139, I want you to just understand the person that he was in the context in which he says all this. So Psalm 139.1 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Verse 2, you know when I sit and when I stand, you understand my thoughts afar off. So right away, if we stop here, you can already see he is describing a God who is interested in his life. So when I talk about in the thought today, we'll, we'll hit it hard for 20 minutes and then we'll, we'll get over uh, to our park stuff. But I want you to leave with one thought this morning, like we, like we opened up with. God is for you. He's so for you. He, he's believing in you. He's cheering for you. He wants the best for you. And so here you have David who has all these things, sins, doubt, frustration, confusion. But at the end of the day, he's writing this out. He's saying, oh Lord, you have searched me and you known me. In his heart, he knows this concrete that God has searched him and knows him. Verse two, you know, when I sit and when I stand, you understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. One translation says it like this in verse three. It says, you comprehend my path and my lying down. You know when I walk and when I fall. So even the good days and the bad days, God knows about our lives. You are acquainted with all my ways. Verse four, before a word is on my tongue, you Lord know it completely. You have hedged or enclosed me behind and before your hand is upon me. So God is in front of us. He's behind it. His hand is on our life. He's totally involved is what I'm trying to get you to see. God, our creator, is totally involved and interested in your daily life. And he begins to write out in detail all of these things. Verse six, such knowledge, such knowledge or comprehension or understanding of this, he says, is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Like, I can't even understand it. I can't even come to grips with this God who is this interested in me and pulling for me and caring for me. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then in verse 10, it says, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So what he's saying is, I've even had the days, and we all probably have too, where I've tried to run from you, God. I've tried to flee from your spirit. I've tried to go to a place where you weren't and guess what? You were there. You were still there. Your hand was there on my life. I love this saying, and we can all relate to it. Uh, how many of you have ever, uh, you're running from God. You say, oh, I'm just running from God. I was running. Or you've been in a season where your life, where you were just running from God, you were over it, and you end up what? Running right back into God. That's what he's saying here. I tried to run from you, but I actually ran right back into you. Because why? He's a God who cares and is pulling for you and meets you where you're at. No matter what your sin, no matter what your doubt, no matter what our shortcomings, God is for you and pulling for you and believing for you. And my thought here this morning is like, why do we work so hard to disclude him from our life? Why do we spend a lot of energy being like, oh, I don't know, God, you know, we keep him over here or we just leave him at church or we just leave him in our 20 minute devotional. When you have this God who pays attention to everything, he's even saying, you're a God who I can't even run from. 
Are you with me? Are you guys okay? Okay. And so I love this writing. It's just really honest about this God who just is in love with his people and, and wants the best and is cheering for you and believing for you. And a lot of times I feel like we work harder at discluding him because we think God doesn't want to be involved or God doesn't care or I didn't get it right, so God's not going to move on my behalf. And we leave him out, but it's so much further than the truth. Uh, God is for you. Verse 11 If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. So even when I feel like I finally got away or I'm out of God's goodness or I'm away, oh, there's still light. There's still God. He still has a plan. He's still speaking and leading and guiding me. And so my idea here is like, we just have to come to this understanding if we're going to be true, authentic, passionate Christ followers that God is so for you, and I'm going to be very repetitive, but he's so for you, he's so into you, he's believing in you, he's thinking of you, he's noticing you. Why? Because he wants what's best for you. You're always on his mind, you're always on his thoughts, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit more. You have no idea how much God is for you and doing for you every single day. Some of you have made, made me heard, heard me say this stat. But your brain, just the way that God created you to be victorious, is incredible. Your brain is roughly three pounds. Some of you more, some of you much less. <laughs> but roughly three pounds. And it has the ability to hold 100 trillion bits of information. So almost like memories or like uh, muscle, uh, like it tells your muscle to do this or whatever. So its system is like incredible. 100 trillion things uh, it has the ability to do. You make 15,000 decisions a second when you eat. So how many of you remember making 15,000 decisions a second while you're eating? No, it's doing that automatically. Like God has created you an incredible being and body and function. Uh, so literally while you're eating, every second, 15,000 decisions are happening um, when you're eating. It has the ability, your brain has the ability to remember 10,000 odors. 10,000 odors. And he's like, oh, 10,000, I don't know about remembering 10,000 hours. But if I started to say spray paint, gasoline, you know, like uh, fall leaves, uh, uh, grass clippings, you know, like your teenager's room, like all, you'd be like, all right, I guess we can remember a lot of things, unfortunately. Uh, but it's amazing. Like, do you remember working hard at like, man, today I'm going to go out there and I'm going to remember what gasoline smells like. I got to remember that. No, it does it. It does it automatically because God created you an incredible being. Like, he didn't just say, like, hey, I'm going to make some people and throw them in this place called Earth and just kind of see what they do. We're not God's ant farm, essentially. He created you incredible because he wants you to live a victorious life. And even when Jesus came to Earth, he said, I have come to give you life and give it to you better. Why? Because he's for you. He believes in you. He wants you to have your best life. And that's been kind of, like, skewed. I think there's been a lot of books written in the Christian culture that are like, God's for you, your best life now, and we make it all about ourselves, which is the opposite of what Jesus was saying. Uh, and so there's balance. God is for you. He believes in you. But it's because we have a purpose here. And the purpose obviously is huge to, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and connect and believe and invest in others and, and, and make this place a better place. Amen? Your body has the chemicals in it to heal itself. Uh, and so literally what happens as soon as you get a cut, it scabs and your body starts to what heal itself because God knew this is what you need to be able to continue. And so, uh, obviously we know that there's cancer and different things like that, that, you know, you're not like we're all fallen people. Uh, but you have what you need to begin to heal yourself and, and you can repair yourself and all these kinds of things. It's incredible what we are. 
In the world, roughly, obviously this number changes all the time, but in the world, roughly uh, 6.2 billion people uh, are on this earth. 133,000 people uh, are born roughly uh, a day in the United States. So in the United States, roughly 133,000 people are born a day. There's 400,000 people born a day in the world. And you're like, boy, that's adding up to be a lot. Obviously, people pass away, and so the number doesn't grow like that daily. But 400,000 people a day are born in the world, 133,000 in America. There's been about 60 billion people since the beginning of time, but nobody has your fingerprint. I know some of you have heard me share this thought, but nobody has your thumbprint. Nobody in the 60 billion people in the course of history, nobody has your thumbprint. And what's amazing about that is we are told that we get our value from things that are rare. So gold is rare. Gas, I guess, is rare. That's why it's expensive, if you believe that. Uh, things that are rare are valuable. Michigan Wolverine victories are rare. And so if I ever get to see one again in my lifetime, it'll be valuable to me. Um, Tuesday night up in the thing, we're going to have a Michigan Wolverine recovery group. Um, I'll lead it, of course, because this is painful. But, um, you know, it's a sign of the times. Like, honestly, the world is coming to an end when Michigan State plays so well. And uh, there's, just, there's just devils taking over everywhere. And, you know, that's fine. <laughs> so anyway, so things that are rare are valuable. So things that are rare are valuable. Diamonds are rare, so they're valuable. All these things that are rare are valuable. So if you're the only one with your thumbprint, don't you think maybe God in your creation was trying to make a statement to you that, hey, you're really valuable to me. You're the only one with that thumbprint. You're the only one with that uh, thing. That you're, you're, you're an individual to me. You matter to me. You're valuable. You're rare. And I'm going to make the worst church joke, and I've already done it before, but everybody hold up your thumb and turn to your neighbor or say it to yourself, say, I'm a thumb buddy. Like you're a thumb buddy. So yeah, there you go. And you guys think that was terrible, but you're going to tell somebody that this week. You're going to be like, did you know my only thumbprint? Like, but I want you to catch that thought. Check this out. The odds of you being born, and I say this all the time because it's just mind blowing. The odds of you being born. So from conception to birth here on earth, um, it's 130 octillion to one. 130 octillion things needed to happen and line up in perfect place in order for you to make it here on our earth. hundred That's 130 with 27 zeros behind it. So you write 130 and you just start 27 zeros behind it. That's the odds of you from conception to here on earth. All those things had to go right. You say, well, I wasn't planned or I didn't come from the right background or whatever. No, God had his hand on 130 octillion things for you to be here today. Somebody say amen. He cares about you. He's invested in you. He loves you. He's for you. And he wants you to live a victorious life. Amen. Ephesians 1.3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. God chose us. And you wouldn't choose something that you're not for. You wouldn't in the beginning of all of this, and as the scripture says, and we could get deep into it, but today we're going to say, he, he chose you before we were here. Before we, God chose you because he cares about you. 
Again, you don't choose what you don't care about. You choose things because you care about them and you have interest in them and you're invested in them. Uh, God is still choosing you today. It's not like, well, I'm here, 130 octillion things happen, and so now I'm here. No, every single day, as David, the writer, said in the beginning of our text, he said, like, every day he's interested in when you stand and when you fall and when you make it and when you don't make it. Amen? On your job, with your family, everything you do, God is interested in, and he still chooses you and cares about you in every moment and walk of your life. But the scripture says that he chose us in him. That's kind of the key there is we have to remain in Christ. We have to remain in Christ. Uh, To live in Christ means that our focus in our heart is in Christ. It's in Christ's way. It's, It's in the way and the laws and principles, the things that he set up. A lot of times it's easy for us to live in this economy, to live in this rat race, to live in climbing this ladder and this next thing and this next thing. It's important that we live in Christ. You guys have always heard me say this. Um, everybody says, oh, the Bible's so full of so many rules. The Bible's not full of so many rules. The Bible actually has more promises for your life than it does, hey, watch out for that. That would be a bad thing. Don't do that. He's giving you a warning like, hey, avoid that. That will end bad do this instead. This is better. And so there's more of those promises for your life than there is any kind of restriction. Why? Because he's for you and wants you to have your best life now. Amen? Check this out. To live in Christ is to be a Christ follower, is to be uh, somebody who who, who chooses to live in the kingdom of God in in terms, and you guys know what I'm talking about, to be a Christ follower. Uh, And all of that is made possible by one thing, the blood of Christ. Jesus came And he died on the cross for your sins and his blood made a way for you to live this life that we talk about. And so when we talk about the blood, we've heard all the sayings of there's power in the blood and we have all the the old hymns, which I actually love. I love some of that rowdy stuff. Wonder working power in the blood, like all those old songs. I love it. Um, But there's power in the blood. There's victory in the blood. Now you say like, okay, now we're getting weird. Um, Yeah, so let's all get in a circle and we're going to talk about the blood. No. But you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the victorious blood that Jesus shed on the cross, pure, innocent, without sin blood that he shed. There's power in the blood for your life that causes us, that gives us the ability to live the victorious life that I'm talking about. Check this out. Here's a study that is just going to blow your mind, and then we'll finish up. There's a study that I read. It was actually this video, and uh, somebody sent it to me and said, you're not going to believe this. This is like incredible content. you got to hear this. And so they did this study of thoroughbred horses and their breeding. And so if you want to get into horse racing and the Kentucky Derby stuff and all that kind of deal, the first thing you'll do before you'll ever look at a farm, before you ever get into all that kind of stuff, you're going to want to find your blood agent. And so you're like, okay, this is getting weird. It kind of is. But um, a blood agent is the first thing you want to start to get in the market for. And here's why. The study of these thoroughbreds, here's the deal. They, their barns, uh, the barns that these horses live in are cleaner than all of our houses. They, they drink more purified water than we ever drink. Like these horses that breed and, and, and try to produce Kentucky Derby winners just have an incredible uh, upbringing. But these blood agents, they have 300 years of bloodline data. 300 years of bloodline data. And, uh, and I, this is going to be like a lot of data and like a lot of talk, but I'm going to spin it into something you'll, you'll, you'll be like, this is insane. So hang with me on all this data. So they have 300 years of bloodline data. These people, these blood agents deal in blood, not in horses. 
And so if you're interested in getting into this 300-year history of these horses that are produced to race and win the Derby, uh, you don't sign up to go look at a horse. You sign up to go look at the bloodline. And you sign up to go look at the data and the history, these 300 years of this blood. And so you don't go in there and start talking about how, oh, I want a horse that this, is this color and I want its mane to be this thing. You go in and you just simply start talking about the power of the blood. And its wealth is determined not by the outside. The blood and the value of, of this comes from what's going to happen on the inside of this breeding, this bloodline. And so, so many of us make those same decisions. We do this. We say, hey, I, I want to be victorious. I want to be a winner like you know, this horse or like this thing. I want to be a thing. And we make all these decisions about, well, I got to make it look good on the outside. You know, I need to know what it looks like. I need to know how it's built. I need to know. And so we start making all these decisions in life about, well, I got to, you know, I got to get the right house on the outside. I got to drive the right car. I got to marry, you know, the right guy. We got to go to the right school. And we make all these outside decisions instead of coming together and saying like, hey, what's on the inside that matters to us? Like, what are we going to put inside our kids? Like, what are we going to invest in them uh, as far as our values and our culture and what the word says about them? Uh, how are we going to operate on the inside in our heart and our job places towards our boss, towards other people and the community and the school board and all those kind of things? We always make sure we nail the outside real good. But I think it's just like this bloodline. It's extremely important for us to say, hey, what's actually working and flowing on the inside of us? Amen? Is that okay? You good? So blood agents want to know this. What is the bloodline? Where is it from? Who is the descendant? Present weakness is not a put-off. They said this in the thing. Present weakness is not a put-off because they understand locked up in the blood is everything it needs to be in the winner circle. Same thing about our walk with Christ. Your present condition or your present circumstances shouldn't be a turn-off to you because you understand the blood that you're under in Christ. Amen? The number one sire or stud in America, his name is, uh, and it may have changed since this, but his name is Stormcat. And it's $400,000 for him to breed one time, and there's no guarantee that it's going to take. And people line up, I mean, there's a huge waiting list for this $400,000 um, session, if you will. <laughs> and here's the deal about this. The cult is not even guaranteed to stand up. These people pay this kind of money with no guarantee that it's going to take. There's no guarantee that it's going to come out in the cold, except for the fact that they're banking on what? The power of the bloodline. The power that flows on the inside, the power of the bloodline that comes with this. They don't care even when it is born, that it's born with weak, shaky knees, and that it's scrawny, and it can barely open its eyes, and it can't stand up, and it's never run, and it's never had a bit in its mouth. They don't care about any of that. Why? Because they know that there's power in the blood of the inside of that. Somebody say amen. The agent looks at the inside, and on the inside is the northern dancer. If you were to go with this bloodstock agent who has a 300-year data, uh, it has the northern dancer's blood, South Ocean's Blood, Secretariat, Native Dancer, Ballard Rose, and Something Royal, which are all past Kentucky Derby winners. And they sign up for that. Why? Because there's just something about the blood that can cause you to overcome your present circumstances. I would say it's the same thing about our life. If we understand that God is for you and he's not against you and he believes the best in you and that you have the blood of Christ in your life, you can be victorious. Somebody say amen. You can overcome all the frustrations. But the problem is we try to calculate it and, comp and, and figure it all out on our own. 
So we hit that frustration, we hit that complication, and we have the weak knees and the shaky things, and we can't stand up, and you know, we barely open our eyes because we're this little, and we go, oh, I got to fix this on my own. Instead of just tapping into the idea that God is for you and he's been in this a long time and you may be there, but people have been there before and God has delivered them and he can deliver you. Amen? So no matter how weak the present condition is, there's a champion on the inside. What's on the inside is more important than what's on the outside. I thought about it like this. Travis, if you want to come play for us, we'll close in this. The computer has all this data. It has the genes, the race wins, the age that they were when they won, the weight, the measurements, the stride, the bone structure, the cardio, all those kinds of things, extreme detail. It's gone into how this horse was fearfully and wonderfully made, if you will. So this data, 300 years, can look at all of these things that were put in place in order to raise this horse. And the computer can basically virtually produce how fast the horse can run and what it's gonna be able to do based on its blood. And I wonder if David was saying the same thing. Hey, it's too wonderful for me to even comprehend how much data God knows about us. One scripture says that he knows every hair on the top of our head or lack thereof for some. Like if I mean, I'm okay, no bald jokes. Okay. Like <laughs> people are offended by that one. I was making fun of my bald jokes. I'm with you. I'm going there. So, uh, but, but David is saying like, man, this is crazy. This is too high for me to comprehend. Like God has all this data about us that he cares about. He's interested in. He knows when you stand, when you fall, he knows what you're, he knows it all. He's for you. The scripture says, we read, it's like he's researched us in Nona. He knows us. Psalm 139 continues in verse 13. It says, for you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's wounds, a womb. Verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. This is the best part. He says, marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. I think all of us have those days. We're like on the inside of us. Our soul doesn't know very well. Like we just, that's what we got to get to. Is where you can lay down at night, your head on the pillow with the stress and the struggle and the frustration and you can say that. Like, God, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and marvelous are your works and my soul knows that. Like, I can lay my head down at night and know my soul knows that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and marvelous are your works. God is for you. I love this. Verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet they were none of them. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Verse 18, if I should count them, they would be more than the number, they would be more than number in sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So all the thoughts that God has towards you is more than the sand. It's so many things. David, someone who wrestled back and forth and come to a just real agreement, real understanding that God is so for us. No matter what we do, he believes in you and he's with you and you can make it. His thoughts are higher than what we give him credit for, I think, at times. Oh, God is mad at me or God, I... His thoughts are higher. So I think about it like this. Why do we let ourselves stay in such a negative relationship? 
Like, why do we doubt ourselves when you have a God who's pulling for you and cheering for you and encouraging you? Why do we let ourselves sometimes stay in such a negative place? Or why do we let ourselves stay addicted? Or why do we let ourselves believe that lie that has been stuck to us for so many years? When we got a God who knows where you are, he knows what it's like. The scripture also says that, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all ways was, with, was tempted and without sin. You have a God who came down to earth, took on flesh and blood, and lived like we lived. Why? Because he was tested in all ways like we are, and he was without sin. Bottom line of it all, he understands what it's like to be you, and he's here cheering for you. And so my encouragement for you as we move forward is what are the things that we can lay down and, and push through addictions, wrong thinking, frustrations? What are the things that we can say, God, I want my soul to say that I'm secure in you, that I trust you, that, that I know the blood of Christ is enough for me. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So a lot of us will tell ourselves a lie. Well, I grew up in poverty and so that's what I'm going to be. Well, I grew up in an abusive relationship, and so it'll stay abusive. That's not where you started. You started fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, you know, there was this abuse, or there was this addiction, or my parents were this, or I had this thing. But that's not where you started. You started fearfully and wonderfully made because God is for you, and he can lead you and bring you through all of that. Somebody say amen. That's why the scripture says we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb in the word of our testimony. We have to take the power of the blood and believe it with our mouth and with our words and with our life, and we can see that victorious life we're talking about. I believe this, such a great thought. Jesus didn't come to accomplish everything so that we could accomplish nothing. I think it would be a tragedy if we just left our lives in this, well, come what may, no goal, no passion, no desire. Jesus came and accomplished everything. He paid for everything. A really terrible example of this would be this. He came... He paid your bill for an incredible buffet. God gave you access to all of this incredible spread. Jesus paid his way for all this. And you go in there and get a water and like a pack of saltines. And that's all you had the faith to access God for when he's paid it all. We need to have a passion and a desire and an understanding. God is for you and he's believing in you. The blood of Jesus didn't gain you access to average. He didn't send his best to die on the cross so that we could remain average. You were born to win. Although to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. Uh, this is a terrible thought, but it's so true. Um, do dogs like bones? No. They like steaks, but they settle for bones. And I wonder if that could be said sometimes about how our walk with God is. God's calling you into something great, a steak, <laughs> the steak life. And we just settle for chewing on that old bone. My encouragement is like, let's trust God because he's for you and not against you. He's believing, he's pulling, he's cheering. He wants to do this life with you, alongside you and with you. That's why he gave us his word. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit, all of these things so that you can live, as the scripture says, from glory to glory. Not for yourself, but so that we can say to God be the glory in everything we do. Amen.